and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down, LOD, episode 23. I'm your host, Stephen Weed. Of course, always joining me from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Walter Lukashensky. Walter, how are we doing this evening? Well, I'm actually pretty excited to be doing this. This is a really fun time of year for teams like Raiders and Raiders fans because we're typically not really relevant in the season. So when you get close to free agency, it's a lot of fun for teams like the Raiders and other bad teams to really get fired up about the future and trick themselves into thinking this offseason will fix everything. And next year, I'm going to have a team in February playing football. Whether that's true or not, who cares? I get to trick myself and it's fun this time of year. So I have to ask you on your end, how are you doing? How excited are you for this time of year? And give us a little life update from Stephen Wheat. Nothing's too crazy here on my end. Just working, grinding, drinking, watching a lot of sports. Nothing's really changed too much. There's The weather's been getting a little bit nicer here in Columbus. Went out to a brewery with a couple of my boys here on Friday. Got way too blacked out. Woke up Saturday very curious of you know, how I got there, how I got home. Did I drive? No, I'm good. So I've just been hanging out, been on an absolute, can't say this word, can't say that word, but on, I've been on a hot streak here with gambling. On what, Wally? Turkish soccer. It would be rock bottom if I wasn't winning, but I am pretty fucking close. But I'm having a blast. Up a few dollars waiting for my buddy Jordan Buds to uh, send me that Venmo. Maybe I should start sending him a Venmo request, being a little greedy about it. But it's it sucks for not gambling on football. We have the fan-controlled football league. Got like a little FBS football starting, a little Jackson State. But the Turkish Soccer League, if you're looking for a league to bet on, starts at 8 a.m. Eastern. It's perfect. Cup of coffee. $100 on one of the teams I cannot pr- pronounce their names, but it's a hell of a time, Wally. There's a very thin line between rock bottom and elite gambling status, and you're walking the tightrope really well right now. It sounds like you're up pretty good, and now all I can say is ride the hot wave as long as you can. That's all I can say. Where was this during NFL season? The, the one thing I'm most passionate about, well, it probably goes NFL and Turkish League soccer, and then right underneath it is uh, tennis. But for some reason, I cannot nail football bets, but I'm just nailing all these soccer bets. So sprinkle it in with a little EPL. I rode money on the on the draw for Man United and Chelsea this past Sunday. What a fucking thrilling 0-0 game. I didn't really start paying attention until the 86th minute when I knew that this was possible. But it was awesome. But you were talking a little bit about free agency before. It's starting here in a couple weeks. Now's the time where we start seeing all the contracts going into play. Nothing is official until the league season starts and free agency starts. But this is the unofficial official reports we're getting. You know we have to start off with the hottest report that we have. J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals for a two-year, $31 million contract. $24 million of that guaranteed. Going out to Arizona, the whole offseason he was talking about how he wants to play for a Super Bowl contender. Being paid was number three on his list of top threes. But he wants a good quarterback, wants to play for a Super Bowl. So he adds out in Arizona in arguably the toughest division in football. Definitely adds on to that defense. So, Wally, are they going to be that team to beat in the West next year? And how scary is that defense potentially with J.J. Watt? I want to start real quick, first of all, by saying because this happened before the league year, people are wondering, hey, why is this guy able to get negotiated and all that? It's because he was cut. So simply put, he was a free agent outright. The other guys aren't technically a free agent until the new league year starts at the beginning. So this was a little bit different. 
But you asked me if the Cardinals are the favorites in the NFC West now. Simply put, no. J.J. Watt made it a point to say that he was going to be going to a Super Bowl contender or he wanted to go play for at least somewhere that's going to make a decent push in the playoffs. This is arguably the third best team. You could make a case. The worst team in the NFC West still. The San Francisco 49ers, the LA Rams, both look like they're possible Super Bowl threats already. And then you, I mean, yeah, you add J.J. Watt, but you're also going to be losing guys like Patrick Peterson and Hassan Reddick. So all of a sudden you kind of wonder how good this Cardinals defense really can be. I like their front seven. And with an offseason, hopefully for their sake, Isaiah Simmons can start kind of fitting in a little bit better and take that next step. He did play all 16 games, which is really big, but it was a little baffling him not going to Green Bay. We're not going to Pittsburgh with his brothers. And then you even have the teams like Cleveland, Tennessee, Buffalo, where you'd imagine they would be in a much better position to reach a potential Super Bowl than Arizona is. So for me, it was kind of a head-scratching decision. But you did get to see him tweet out yesterday morning, yeah, you know what? Some of these teams have great pitches, but it doesn't hurt waking up and it's 65 degrees. So... Obviously, this guy's kind of started like that warm weather down there in the south. He doesn't really miss too much of it. If anything, it's going to get even nicer because you get that dry heat down there in the southwest. But who knows? Uh, what what did you make of it? Were you a little disappointed? I know that you guys were perceived as one of the front runners. So it had to have been at least a little bit of a blow for you not to get him. Or maybe I'm off base. Maybe you're happy that you didn't give a 30-plus-year-old defensive end $30-plus million dollars. So from a Packers perspective, first of all, what did you make of it? And then outside of that, remove fandom, did you like the fit in Arizona? Or are you a little bit confused like the rest of us are? It seemingly looked like Green Bay was making moves to at least pursue J.J. Watt or some free agent. They cut Kristen Kirksey after a year. They cut their offensive tackle Rick Wagner after a year. There's been a lot of rumblings about Preston Smith potentially being cut after his lackluster year and that contract that he has, compared to what Zadarius Smith was doing and what his contract is, Preston Smith would be a, would be an easy cut. Apparently, the what sixteen, sorry, the fifteen and a half mil that his cap it is going to be. He was getting more money from a Cleveland or a Tennessee teams that I think that are that are in better positions. So Green Bay was not going to be able to pay that regardless. They have too much shit in house that they have to take care of to bring JJ Watt. I would have loved to have him there. I thought he would have been a great compliment to Zadarius Smith. Because outside of JJ Watt, Zadarius Smith is top three, top four most double teamed player defensively in the NFL. And he was still putting up numbers with his sacks, double digit back to back sack seasons. So you can't hate on that. Now, for the NFL and his move altogether, that just could not be any worse division. He texts Kyler Murray saying, you know, I, I came here because I believe in you. But, you know, what about the other 10 guys? Or what about the other 10 guys that, that you're uh, going to be on your defense? You know, there's a few that you can trust. But there's going to be a lot of question marks. On top of, you got to play Russell Wilson twice a year. Now you have to play Matt Stafford and that L.A. Rams team twice a year. You have to play the Niners twice a year and whoever, that, whoever they're going for. Apparently there's rumblings that Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, potentially a trade Going on, setting Bridgewater there, Garoppolo to Carolina. All smoke and mirrors at this point. We'll cross that bridge when we do get there. But to your point, maybe just love – he loves the heat. He wanted to get back with his boy, DeAndre Hopkins. You know what DeAndre said, what's finished, what we started. 
So it makes sense. Are you going to get to the Super Bowl? I doubt you even win the division. But kudos to you. You still got the bag. Then when he's done in two years in Arizona, then you'll start ring chasing. Maybe for a little bit cheaper, finally. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of teams, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Cleveland, the teams I mentioned before, you have their fans a little bit like, oh, God, yeah, he was obviously chasing money. And there's a lot of reports out there, contrary reports. Some are saying that there were bigger offers from teams like Indianapolis and teams like Cleveland. But that's kind of hard for me to believe. And there have been reports since then saying, you know what, most guaranteed money's in Arizona. And if it was truly to get the money... Good for him. Go get that bag while you're young. You deserve it. He's earned that big payday. And like you said, in two years, he's still going to be very functional, very good, likely. So if he wants to ring chase then, I think that's a good decision. But going back to what you mentioned about Kyler Murray, this was a ringing endorsement by J.J. Watt saying, I at least think that you're going to be able to take that next step. And there's a lot of people out there that have mock drafts going right now with Arizona where I don't believe Kyle Pitts falls to 16, but so be it. If he did, you, they have people saying that you have Pitts at 16 and possibly Najee Harris in the second round. And if that's the case, that offense is going to be a blast to watch. But the real question then is going to be turned to that secondary. Because I mentioned earlier, Patrick Peterson's likely gone. You have Buda Baker, who led the team in tackles last year with 118 that's not good when you have a guy in the secondary leading your team in tackles, and it kind of states to what the defense was dealing with. I think with J.J., though, it is going to help that secondary because the front seven, in theory, should be good. And you still have guys like Jordan Hicks in the middle, who's a ball hawk in his own right. He's always got his head on the football. He always seems to be there. He was tied with Budabeg with 118 tackles, so he's always around the play. So hopefully, for their sake, that front seven can continue to do what people at least think they're capable of doing. But I, it's still a bit of a head-scratcher. But all I can say is good for you, JJ. Go get your money now. And who knows, maybe in a year we're looking back. I was doubting the Cardinals all last year. I'm already starting to do it again this next year. Maybe he proves all of us wrong. So next year, I think, could potentially be the year we see three teams from the same division going into the playoffs. I know I was kind of high on it this past year. But this has the recipe for it. So I'm very interested. Let's flip it over. Comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, was released by the Washington football team here this week, which I personally, that does not make sense to me. He was the most successful quarterback for that team last year with a defense that's growing and going to be very dangerous. Raising question is, what is next for Alex Smith? Does he retire? Is he going to be a backup somewhere? Taylor Heineke, is he going to be the starter for the Washington football team? Well, first of all, this just shows how ruthless the actual business side of the NFL can be. One minute you have everybody, God, good for you, Alex Smith. We're so happy for you. You're the man. You're the quarterback here. And the next moment, one playoff start from Taylor Heineke later, it's you're kind of expendable. As much as we hate to tell you this, we're going to move on. We have money going elsewhere. You're going to see this in a lot of places. You're already seeing a lot of people getting released already. Because of the COVID situation, caps coming down. We're not used to it coming down. We're used to getting it bumped up. And because of that, you're seeing unfortunate casualties to the COVID situation like Alex Smith. Now, where will he be next year? He, I think he's going to be a backup. And I think the three most obvious situations for him right now, in my opinion, would be Jacksonville, where he would be reunited with his college coach, Urban Meyer now. 
And that would be a fun situation behind potentially a guy like Trevor Lawrence to have that experienced veteran who's obviously had success mentoring young players before. I feel like a lot of people seem to forget that Patrick Mahomes sat an entire year behind Alex Smith. That Alex Smith team with Patrick Mahomes sitting behind him, they still had a fun run. They went to the playoffs. Unfortunately, they lost a game. They were up early to Tennessee. Marcus Mariona had, honestly, the highlight of his entire career winning that game coming from behind at Arrowhead. But he's more than capable. He's very smart. I think he would be a good fit in Jacksonville behind a guy like Trevor Lawrence with Urban Myers, his head coach there. I think he'd be very comfortable there. The other two places that I feel like make an immediate impact and a lot of sense, you could go to Cincinnati. You sit behind Joey Burrow. You all of a sudden have that backup where it's not necessarily the largest fall off, where if Joey does happen to miss a couple weeks, you can survive. Now, if you missed longer time than that, they'd be in a lot of trouble. But that's what you want from that backup. You want to basically just keep your head above water. And he would do that in Cincinnati. And unfortunately for him, he's used to getting hit. So if they don't address the offensive line, he's going to regrettably still be comfortable in that situation as it has been like that for most of his career. And then I think Miami, with Ryan Fitzpatrick likely going to test the free agent market, you have another veteran coming in there, sitting behind Tua. Brian Flores has already shown that he's willing to play the hot hand. And Alex Smith is more than capable enough to come in in those situations like Fitzpatrick had to this year after Tua came in. So I think those three make the most sense. Now, the second part of that question you asked me, Taylor Heineke, is he going to be the starting quarterback going forward? If you're Washington, it's kind of a fun situation now because you're really not married to Taylor Heineke. He did ink that deal two years, $4.75 million, but that's not in all reality that much money. If you are in the draft and there is somebody that falls to you that you really like, you can take that guy there. And if, unfortunately for them, they're not in that position to take a quarterback they're in love with, Heineke at least proved that he can be competent back there and maybe reassess the position in a year from now if they aren't where they want to be. Or who knows? Maybe Heineke's the next guy out of Nowheresville that has an extended career in the NFL. I mean, in Dallas, what, 10, 15 years ago when Tony Romo came in, everybody was doing the same thing. Like, this guy's from where? I haven't even heard of this guy before. Same thing here with Heineke. He's from ODU. He's been in the league for four years. I didn't know he existed until he played this season late in the year and then in the playoffs. So for them, it's an interesting situation. They have a little bit of wiggle room if they do fall in love with someone, whether that be in free agency, draft, trade, et cetera, et cetera. But as of right now, in this moment, they're prepared to go forward with him at starting quarterback. It's just a matter of now. In August, is he the starting quarterback or not? That team with its defense alone, you can win six or seven games. Low risk, low reward, or low risk, high reward, I should say. Because like you said, Taylor Heineke's contract's less than $5 million. When they release Alex Smith, that is going to open up $13.6 million on the salary cap that they have, bringing it to $52 million. So not only can they add pieces to that, say they do a year with Heineke, it doesn't work out. They end up being, you know, Six and ten, seven and nine, maybe five and eleven. Then they can draft their guy in next year, spend some money next year. They have some good cap space. It's going to be interesting what they do. That division's wide open, obviously outside of Dallas, but you never know. That defense is going to be scary, scary, scary with another year and a full off season underneath their belt. They can get their chemistry going even a little bit more. Just 
just for shits and gigs. Imagine if J.J. Watt joined that unit. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the whole J.J. Watt, the entire process of him looking around. It seemed like everybody wanted to pair him with somebody, and that's kind of turning into a new mold. I mean, you got to see it with Pittsburgh last year with Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt. When you have two guys that can legitimately get to the quarterback at any time, it really puts a lot of pressure on an offensive line. You have to figure out who you're going to double or are we going to design our our game plan to basically get the ball out of our quarterback's hand in a couple seconds every single pass play. You're not going to have those long-developing play-action plays, stuff like that. So it would have been interesting to see. Ultimately, didn't happen, but Washington's more than comfortable enough with that defense like you were saying because, I mean, even without a guy, another guy across Chase Young, Chase Young's already proven to be a huge problem in this league. You have Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio there still. The defense is only going to get better, you'd imagine. Teams are going to, or players are going to want to play for this team. And that's a, a ring endorsement, too, about Ron Rivera and what they've already built there. They have building blocks in place. It's just a matter of this is one of those franchises that always seem to get in their own way. They have the baseline. Can they take that next step? I suppose we'll find out next year. I'm not so sure yet. You know I love them. I hope they do, but we'll see. Flip it over here. Keep it actually in the division. This is this broke about 20 minutes ago. New York Giants are releasing their wide receiver Golden Tate here. Age of 32, hitting the open market. Wally, he's obviously the last couple seasons, you know, he had 388 yards this past season. 676 yards, has, hasn't eclipsed 1,000 yards since 2017 when he did it three out of four years starting in 2014. 32-year-old Golden Tate. Golden Tate, do you still think at the age of 32 that he can contribute to an offense? I think in a limited role. I think that you're going to see a similar situation to, ironically, you guys up in Green Bay a few years ago with Randall Cobb letting him go. And you get to see him go around and kind of be that guy – it's kind of in the same kind of spot with Golden Tate right now with the six, seven hundred yards. He's going to have that ability simply because he is a decent route runner. He's going to be able to get himself in positions on third downs to at least move the change occasionally. Now, is he ever going to be Golden Tate that we've seen in Detroit? No, he's that's gone. I think he knows that, and I think that his deal ultimately will reflect that. But if he goes to the right situation with a good wide receiving core, and a decent quarterback, I think you can still see him be productive in this league. I agree. I think that he can still contribute. The number one team that comes to my head, of course, you're saying he was so successful in Detroit, was potentially landing with the L.A. Rams for cheap. Their wide receiving core is pretty stacked between Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup with his knee injuries here the past couple of years are, is raising a lot of question marks. Robert Woods is clearly their favorite target. We'll see what Matt Stafford decides, but... Maybe getting golden golden tape for cheap on that roster as well. Josh Reynolds, their number three receiver for the Rams, is an unrestricted free agent, as well as potentially Gerald Everett, their tight end. So adding Golden Tate, a trusted weapon for Matt Stafford, would not be such a bad idea out in LA. Well, and the idea of him being reunited with the quarterback where he had the most success would be a lot of fun. And it would be kind of similar to that Cobb role that we were talking about, where he would immediately be the third guy. He's comfortable fitting in that slot receiver role. So I could see that being a, a fit. It's just a question of, you know how it is. Some team might be out there being like, you know what, we're really just a, a piece away or we want to get that veteran presence in the locker room and you might have a team overpay. And if he chooses to go 
where the money is opposed to where the opportunity for the best success, that's only up to him. And it's ultimately going to be the right decision for him one way or another. But if he does go to LA, that would be an interesting fit. And I, I mean, I can see him wanting to do that. It, they'd be a Super Bowl contender already without Golden Tate. And you bring in that experienced guy, like I said, to be in the slot for five to 700 yards a year. Who knows? Maybe he actually would fall in love with that situation. So keep an eye on that. I really like that idea, though. All this quarterback talk. We haven't talked enough about Russell Wilson and lack thereof. The front office speaking out about these potential trade rumors. Obviously, Russell has been making it public, saying he's unhappy there. He's tired of getting sacked. He's tired of running the ball. He wants to control that offense. Pete Carroll just stuck in his old ways like a 70-year-old boomer that he is. The most interesting you know, part about this is the Seattle front office. We haven't heard barely anything, if anything, about it. We haven't heard anyone denying it, saying absolutely not. He's going to stay in our building here. All we are hearing is Seattle would consider it with three first-round picks. Then all of a sudden, these rumblings of the Chicago Bears coming up. Russell saying he wouldn't mind playing for Chicago. He wouldn't mind that trade. What in the actual fuck is going on with Seattle? This kind of goes hand-in-hand with the smoke and mirrors, where we don't really believe too much of what we see until the new league year rings in. But with the lack of communication from the front office, I'm pretty skeptical right now, Wally. I'm going to go with Russell potentially out, and I and I fucking pray it's not the, to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I can imagine why you wouldn't want to have to deal with Russell Wilson in division. It seems like... Yeah, Wally. We had Cleo Mack two years ago, and then we potentially have Russell Wilson. That is a horrible three-year stretch for me. I'm not ready for it. Yeah, and I can imagine why. I mean, he would immediately be... Probably the most talented quarterback Chicago's had in their team's existence. That's crazy to think about. But when you really look back in Chicago Bears history, realistically, the best quarterbacks you're thinking of, I mean, what, Jay Cutler? McMahon? Who else can you really think of there with the Chicago Bears? Rex Grossman, how dare you disrespect that man? That is back-to-back shows, at least, where Rex Grossman has actually been mentioned. That's kind of absurd in 2021. But as crazy as it is to say, he's probably in the top five for best Bears quarterbacks ever. And that's not good. If Rex Grossman is in your top five quarterbacks, possibly top three, that's a very, very bad situation. So I would imagine they would love to have a guy like Russell Wilson. Now, if I'm Seattle... I would really sit firm on that three first rounds, at least. I mean, this is just, the guy's locked up for another three years. He's in the prime of his career. I kind of have been beating the same drum with both Deshaun Watson, and now I'm going to bring it over to Russell Wilson, where if I am that team, if I'm that front office, dude, you're under contract. If you want to sit out, do it at your own expense, but you're going to be a Seattle Seahawk unless we get overwhelmed with an offer. Again, they're not saying that they don't they do not want to trade him. There's all they're saying is three first rounds is viable. Which in my case, like in New York Jets, I would trade my first round picks for the next five years and sign Russell Wilson to a seven year contract. So at least we have a couple first round picks when he's the Kang. But yeah, I I would sell the house for Russell Wilson. I think right now if they're looking Start a franchise, have someone to lead your team outside of Patrick Mahomes. It's Russell Wilson. He's the most underrated, most underappreciated player ever. 
and you know, to kind of Seattle's point where if he went to Chicago, he'd be their best quarterback ever. He's currently the best quarterback ever to play in Seattle. This should not even be a conversation. They should have nipped this in the butt the first day it happened, paid that man. I don't know. All of a sudden there's rumblings about your boy, Trent Brown, getting shopped around by your Vegas Raiders. That'd be a nice addition. But anyway, like I was saying, you have, you know, you got your boy Trent Brown getting shopped around from the Raiders. You got Trent Williams that potentially is getting shopped around by the San Francisco 49ers. Corey Lindsley from free agent from the Green Bay Packers, who just won his all pro as a center. There's three guys I'm just rallying off the top of my head. So there's a lot of potential to finally put protection around Russell Wilson until that date hits when the season restarts and free agency hits. That's the only time we will tell. Well, and not only is Trent Brown getting shot by the Raiders all of a sudden, and it would be an interesting fit almost anywhere. I mean, the guy, he's the highest paid right tackle in the league, and he was getting left tackle money when they signed him. The guy has all the intangibles. It's just whether he can stay on the field. And not to make this too Raiders heavy, but the Raiders also released Gabe Jackson today, which likely is due to the fact that they want to have a little spending money in free agency, and they also look to probably bring Richie Incognito back now that he's going to be healthy this next year. But then you also have, like you said, Trent Williams. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to be incredibly highly paid wherever he ends up going. And right now, I mean, it would make a lot of sense for a team like Seattle to try to really solidify it. And we're going to figure out a lot if they do find a premier tackle like that, if the Saki shoes are a factor of the offensive line, if it is Russell Wilson getting himself into trouble by scrambling too much of getting sacked, or a little bit of both. So I think that'll be interesting. If the Seahawks do want to keep him there and keep him happy, it would make a ton of sense to bring in a very good offensive lineman, appease Russ in the time being, while also running your own internal investigation, so to speak, as to figure out what might be the issue on this team and how they can get over the hump going forward. How is the cancel culture going after Eminem, but not Richie Incognito? That's all I have to say. We're going to move on here. Last topic of the day, unfortunately, since it is a little bit shorter of an episode. It's the offseason. This is what you guys should expect. Deshaun Watson. A lot of rumblings coming about that. Looks like Deshaun is... Getting stuck in Houston, he is now threatening to sit out regular season games. Already went to the new head coach saying, I am I am done in Houston. I am not going to play a snap for you. This is potentially looking like another Le'Veon Bell type deal where he could be sitting out regular season games. But we've never seen a quarterback do this. First off, just another, another week is going by. I'm looking for another prediction with those couple weeks going by, I should say. What is Deshaun's situation looking like right now? And if he sits out, is that going to completely change the game for all quarterbacks looking for money or looking to get out? Now, if the Texans appease Deshaun Watson and move him, you might see quarterbacks do this, but I think it's a pretty rare situation. The only time that I can remember a quarterback sitting out when he was unhappy under contract was Carson Palmer in Cincinnati. Now, he was what, five, six games into a season sitting out before the Raiders lost Jason Campbell that year and panicked and said, you know what, we're 4-2, and two. we look pretty good. If we have a decent quarterback, we're going to be able to make the postseason. So they overspent and got Carson Palmer from Cincinnati for, I want to say it was two first-round picks back then, which when you consider a quarterback that's not playing and willingly not playing, 
the price can't be that high. I don't think that you're going to have a team reach like that again. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that Deshaun Watson better be prepared for the Texans being willing to wait him out. I really do think that in these situations, the team has all the leverage. They are trying to be or go into this rebuild process right now. And what they want to go in with is they're like, hey, we have our franchise quarterback. He's young enough. If we rebuild the right way, he'll still be in his prime here when we get this figured out, when the the ship is righted, so to speak. And now he wants out. I don't know if the team's going to do it. I really don't expect them to do it. Like, again, I think he's going to have to be really serious about sitting out if he wants any shot of this getting moved. Because otherwise, I think they're literally going to sit back and say, you don't want to play. That's no problem. We were planning on tanking anyways. We'll see you when you're ready to come play football. Such a hard situation. It kind of kind of backtrack. Uh, Raiders traded a first round and a second round pick in the following year for him. Nonetheless, that's it. that is a pretty large amount for a quarterback who was at the time, quote unquote, retired until he went out in Oakland. At the time, man, back in my day, it was the Oakland Raiders. There has to be a suitor that is going to get Deshaun Watson. I'm telling you right now, it is going to be the Carolina Panthers. They have done nothing but make so many moves, cap moves, to open it up. It's going to be Carolina. I'm calling it right now. They're going to have Deshaun Watson paired up with CMC. Robbie Anderson, who is not that bad of a receiver to have, as well as you're going to pair it up with DJ Moore coming off a very good first two years in the NFL. 1,100 yards, back-to-back, four touchdowns, back-to-back. Kid's a problem, though. Deshaun will have a lot to work with. That offensive line is going to need a little bit of work. Nothing he's not used to in Houston. Defense needs a little bit, little bit of work. But overall, I, don't, I think it's a better situation than he has in Houston with a very similar team. A lot more stars around him, though. So I, I think Carolina's where he's going to go. He's going to have to sit out a little bit. But at the end of the day, you sign that four-year, $160 million contract. At one point, it's going to come bite, in, bite you in the ass while you're sitting out. Carolina, I think at this point, it really doesn't matter the location. I think he's just sick and tired of Houston. Now, Carolina would be an interesting fit. Now, it depends, obviously, too, on what they would have to give up. Because you saw some people speculating that you might have to also part ways with guys like Christian McCaffrey in that deal. If that were to happen... I honestly don't think it's the end of the world, too, when you consider the fact how running backs really are a dime a dozen. He's going to make whatever team he goes to better. It's just a matter if he moves. I'm not nearly as confident as you are that he is. For his sake, I hope it does happen. Houston is, honestly, they went from a competent franchise to the dumpster fire of the NFL overnight, seemingly. The last few years, who would have thought that Bill O'Brien wasn't the biggest issue in the last calendar year in Houston. It's one thing after another with this team right now. Yeah, of course, Bill O'Brien getting rid of Hopkins for what he did. That's one thing. But then you have these weird hirings in the offseason where guys don't seem qualified. I just don't really... This entire situation has been bungled. They haven't been addressing or they haven't been asking Deshaun Watson a lot of his opinions on who these hiring guys are when they said they would. And then they're saying that they did. Deshaun Watson saying, no, they never talked to me. It's just a it's a circus right now. So hopefully for his sake he gets out. I just really don't think he will. But again, I hope, I hope, I hope you're right. He deserves to be somewhere else, especially as he's entering his prime right now. 
This is the best the NFL quarterback situation has been at large, I think, ever. It feels like over half the teams in the league have legitimate quarterbacks that the other half would kill for. All I'm saying, two first rounds, two second rounds. Actually, check that. Two first rounds, a second round, Teddy Bridgewater, and a third round. Sling them on over to Houston. I think you got a pretty solid deal. You want to sprinkle a little bit, a little bit more, maybe snag Brandon Cooks from him chemistry-wise and adding to that wide receiving core would be fun. That's the bet I'm making. And that's how we always end our shows, Wallet. We always end them with bets. What the hell's going on out here? Before we head out, I do my little uh, monologue. We don't have football to bet on, not the NFL at least. But we want to lead you guys into the weekend with at least a couple bets to marinate with. Wally, what are uh, what are some games, sports, picks that you're uh, looking at this weekend, bud? See, this is kind of unprecedented territory for me. As I was telling you before the show, we were talking about hockey bets. This year is different in the NHL because, because of COVID, everybody's playing only in division. So you're playing the same teams a million times and a lot of the times, three or four times in a row. And that makes it almost impossible to bet. So I'm really trying to hold off until the postseason if I can help myself. So in this moment, I want to preface this with, I'm not going to pretend like I'm any more of an expert on FCS football than any of you guys. So if you follow me, I want you to follow at your own risk. But these are the three games I'm looking at. One starting tomorrow, South Dakota going to North Dakota, the Battle of the Dakotas. Don't get confused. This isn't the North Dakota State Bison. This isn't the Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, North Dakota State team. I'm talking about North Dakota, but I'm riding them. I'm riding North Dakota at home, minus six and a half. You got to imagine this has got to be somewhat of a decent-sized rivalry game because I don't know anything about North or South Dakota. Everybody hates on them, To all, or at least to me, it's the 49th and 50th best states in the country. So you have to imagine there's a little bit of animosity between the two. So I'm going to go with the underdog, especially since they're at home. I'm taking North Dakota minus six and a half. But that's just tomorrow's game. Let's go a little further. Southern Illinois is coming off a big win against North Dakota State. State, not just North Dakota. Have to make sure that's clear. But they are going to Youngstown State. They're going to Ohio, coming off that really big win. Coming off the win that... I mean, if you have paid any attention to FCS at all in the last decade, North Dakota State wins every year. Trey Lance or not, that's a very talented team. To go there and win is very impressive. Or even to host them and win. I said go there, ignore me. But even to host them and win is a big deal. Now, they're six and a half point favorites going to Youngstown State. I'm taking Youngstown State because that's kind of an emotional letdown game to me. And I'm, I mean, the Penguins are always a great team to bet on, too. They always seem to make a decent run to FCS tournament. And even a few years ago with Bill Pol- or what, Bo Pelini, they had him in the FCS title game. So it's a very functional team in their own right. So I'm taking Youngstown State plus six and a half. And then last but not least, I'm going the Northern Arizona at Eastern Washington over. Ask me my reason for picking this one. I don't have one except for one. The red turf plays fast. Going to expect a lot of points. I'm picking purely on that red turf. It's an eyesore to watch. The only reason that they have people even in or tuning into these games is simply to see how crazy that field is. And then because luckily for them, they seemingly score a million points every time. It's plus 64 and a half. The money is coming in on the under, but screw those people. We're riding the over. And those are my three bets of the week. 
they're nothing too crazy. This is kind of a dead period for me. Like I said, if I'm not betting hockey, this time of year is a little, little dry. But here before long, we'll get the playoffs, and I'm going to be able to throw you a couple more I'm a little more confident in. But in the meantime, let's hear your Turkish soccer bets or whatever the hell you're doing now. All right. Don't be ignorant. I'm cultured. I don't know why you're talking down to me like that. I'm like, I'm going to keep it in the English Premier League. Actually, I'm going to check that. The Bundesliga, German League. We have uh, we have quite the matchup here on Saturday. We have Bayern Munich hosting Borussia Dortmund. Bayern Munich is just an absolute wagon of a team. You ride them any any chance that you get. Dortmund, I feel like, has just been kind of falling off here the past uh, past few games. So I'm going to ride with that. As well as on Sunday, March 7th, you have the Atletico and Real Madrid game. I'm going with Atletico on that. You're going to ride with Atletico. Madrid has just not been playing the ball that they are typically playing. What we've grown accustomed to, especially after the Ronaldo departure, they just are not the same team. Atletico Madrid leading the La Liga, if you do not know. I think that's a smart bet. And then we go with the EPL. We have the Man City Man United matchup. Man United, 0-0 draw, back-to-back games. Have not scored since what, three games ago, and they were playing Newcastle, and they won 3-1. I'm going with Man City on this game. Man City's been hot, fresh off a 4-1 victory against Wolverhampton. I think Man City's just going to absolutely destroy them in their home stadium, but it does not matter. They're in Manchester. Everything's home at that point. And my third and final bet, it's not a singular bet. It's just bets overall. Damian Lillard, points, rebound, and assists over Life savings every single time you bet it. I say it every single time because it's an absolute lock. So your life savings double up every single time. So just get rich off this man because he's doing nothing but balling right now. It's only at 44.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Dude's been averaging 32 points over the past couple of weeks. Take advantage of that. Those are my three bets. Those are Wally's three bets. Just to hold you over for the next week. Thank you guys so much for joining us here again, listening, however you are listening, if it's either through Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, anything else. Take us home here, Wally. Any final thoughts? Yeah, one last thing I do want to say. I have to shout out my buddy Jackson Day. Again, he was the one who had a bet a few months ago. I shouted out. But he, amazingly enough, he predicted the whole Cardinals thing. I don't know how much of it was tongue-in-cheek, but I had to shout him out because he told it to me in – a DM and I thought he was full of shit. I'm like, dude, you're, you're insane. There's no way the Cardinals are going to be able to do this. There's too many contenders out there. So credit to him. He got it right. I, I don't know. Pick the lottery numbers next Jackson and I'll be ready. But for now, that's all I have for you, Steven. Otherwise we're our next show together in two weeks. I'm going to Columbus and you know what else that means? We're going to do a lot of free agent talk. That's after the new league year starts. So hopefully by that point, I'm able to talk myself into a Super Bowl on my end because the Raiders did something miraculous. Will it happen? No. But I'll spin zone it. I'm ready to spin zone it. And that reminds me, I want to shout out my friend Adam Alfonso um, just because he's a bitch. But Wally, cannot wait for you to come here in a couple weeks. When you're saying we cannot wait to do so much, I did not thought – you were going to say free agency talk, but yeah, we'll let everyone else kind of fill in the gaps on that. Like it's Mad Libs again. Thank you guys for listening to us. However you are. 
Follow us on all the social media platforms. We have Instagram, Facebook, at Loss of Down. Twitter, down underscore loss, that Wally loves to run. So pump some shit to us. Talk a little bit of shit. Respond to us. I don't know. Maybe we'll throw in some free T-shirts. I know I've been teasing the T-shirt idea here for a while. But now that we have so much free time, I might fuck around and do it. He is Walter Lukashevsky from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am Stephen Weed here in Columbus, Ohio. Until next time, we are Loss of Down, and we'll see you in two weeks. North Dakota's the best Dakota. 